Welcome back to School of Calisthenics with Tim and Jacko. It's another podcast session and this week we were joined by Michelle Drillsma, who is an Australian surfing strength and conditioning coach with a wealth of experience across a number of different things. Jacko, tell us more about it. Yeah, her, the, the strength and conditioning work that she's doing uh, with surfers that we talk, we talk about in the podcast is just one aspect that she's moved into now, but she's built up a, a wealth of knowledge in a number of different training modalities, uh, movement work, uh, yoga, handstands, um, uh, end range strength and mobility work that she talked about. She's studied um, strength and conditioning. She's an exercise physiolo- physiologist, um, and she's also um, an author of, of two books. So she's got an awful lot of insight over a vast number of years uh, that she is now dialing into helping um, surfers manage their uh, training better and actually get more out of it. But we get into some of the detail of that, but then also unpick. Um, other aspects of all of those different training modalities she's been using over the course of her coaching career um, and we hope that there's a number of takeaways for you um, during the podcast so guys sit back and enjoy this week's podcast with michelle drillsmo So Michelle, welcome to the Scorecast Science Podcast. It's great to to have you here. Uh, to, to set the scene um, before we delve into some of the more detail of the things that you've been up to over the last um, 12 years as an S&C coach, uh, can you give us a bit of a background into um, what you've done, how you've got to where you're at? I know that you're, uh, you, you've studied sports science, exercise physiologist, and you've done S&C and now so there's a whole host of things and variety of stuff uh, that's going to be really interesting for us to delve into is give the listeners a little bit of background into into uh, into yourself and your coaching career yeah so um it's interesting my story starts with dance and sort of more recently I'm sort of returning more to dance um so I started dancing when I was three years old and spent a couple of years in my late teens um studying dance full-time um hoping to become a professional dancer but that um, dream was sort of crushed in a way um, as, you know, the dancing world is very competitive. Um, so I decided to uh, go to uni and having always had an interest in um, nutrition and fitness, I ended up studying exercise and sports science. Um, so, yeah, I later got my accreditation as an exercise physiologist. Um, and like many of us who completed that degree, we didn't really know what to do with that degree there wasn't really a lot um, feeding from that into the work field so um, at the time I was considering um, yeah studying a master's or a PhD or even crossing over into medicine but luckily um, I met a good friend of mine who introduced me to a very holistic way of approaching um, nutrition and fitness and it totally challenged um, my views on what was healthy at the time and these were courses offered by uh, Paul Check. So before I came across his teaching, I was, I was sort of scared of um, eating anything with fat in it. Like I used to be, um, yeah, I, I, I was like overtraining um, and didn't really understand the importance of monitoring my energy levels each day, um, my mood and my sleep. So, and this was about 13 years ago um, when everyone was sort of fearful of saturated fats and cholesterol and, and 
like, you know, we've now got raw milk in the supermarket and back then it was just, (laughs) it was, everyone was so scared of it. Um, So, yeah, it really, I really feel he was teaching um, beyond his time and it was from there I went through a period of self-inquiry and it was in my early 20s I did a silent a 10-day silent meditation retreat with, you know, read heaps of books and did some emotional coaching and all sorts of things while starting to coach clients and getting um, in getting stronger and fitter. So, um, yeah, and then I went travelling, mid to late 20s, and ended up spending a couple of days learning from Louis Simmons um, at Westside Barbell um, and after that did some other certifications with some um, power and Olymp- Olympic lifting, assessing and other sort of strength training prescription stuff. Um, and from there then got my level to strength and conditioning. So then it was sort of much into, into teaching in Sydney. And um, these days with clients, I utilise a lot of mobility work, um, full range and end range strengthening. Um, still practice traditional lifting and yeah, get pretty creative with body weight and free weight exercises. Um, and the surfing stuff comes in. I started surfing about eight years ago. Um, and I think because of my experience in sports rehab and dance, um, I perhaps had the body awareness to, to quite strongly notice how the, the, the physical assault that surfing places on your body um, so this inspired me to coach surfers and um, create an online platform of exercises that they can use and um, write a book as well um, to help them stay more mobile and um, have more movement for surfing. So that's where I am now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think we've, we've been following your stuff on, mainly on Instagram, uh, to be honest, and something that I think is really interesting is around how you have like flavors of lots of different training uh, modalities and, and types. So, you know, the, the, there's like flavors of yoga, some handstanding, some some um, like calisthenics type of stuff, like you said, with body weight, but then you've got the S&C, the strength work, you've got, you know, talking about Olympic lifting. And then like the the surfing stuff seems like an absolute curveball, or it's definitely, it's certainly not, um, someone did a talk at the UKCA, uh, Jeremy, what was his surname? Shepherd. Shepherd. Um, yeah. and, and talking about the difference between square sports and, the the challenge i think one thing i'd like to ask about is um like the challenges of um managing all those different ideas that you've got and the mobility stuff like the end range strengthening you're talking about how does how does you see those things actually coming together and actually rather than seeming like such different things like from the outside somebody might think oh crack you do you've got all these different things going on rather than actually use what the commonalities they are that you see between them and how they then what parts then complement each other to actually get you to to weigh around and applying it into uh, now surfing which is a really interesting different you know you've got you've got to think outside the box presumably too i've never worked i've never i've tried to surf once and just fell off for a number of hours, had a great time, was knackered <laughs> yeah. afterwards. But yeah, I just think that just like to, to, to kick off with that um, initially. Yeah, um, I guess for each of those, um, you will excel if you have fluid movement, um, mobility, body weight strength, um, unilateral and body weight strength, um, endurance and power. So uh, um, 
yeah, I tend to incorporate my experience of um, flexibility and mobility training um, and range strengthening and improving my ability in this uh, way has helped and my clients as well improve their strength and conditioning as well as improving um, their surfing um, because they have more movement options available as well as a body which is um, stronger and able to handle various different body positions and body angles. Um, but I find that strength and conditioning helps the surfing because it helps to iron out those strength imbalances that you will see in surfers. Like surfing is a very asymmetrical sport. So you are yeah. you're constantly moving with one foot forward and um, your spine is rotated. So like that over time is just yeah, such an assault to your body. Um, <laughs> so you're going to get some yeah crazy imbalances and unless you bring more balance with <clears throat> training, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be in a, in a world of pain. Um, I, but I find that, yeah, they all complement. So I find surfing then helps also the, the strength and conditioning and the mobility training um, in perhaps a bit of a um, almost like a, a psychological way as well. Like I find surfing it sort of chills you out. It reminds you of how precious life is and um, it brings you that, that into that zone feeling every time you're riding across yeah. the wave. So for me, like I was quite probably, you know, a little bit obsessed with the training in the gym um, before I came into um, surfing. So I found that bringing surfing into my life has really brought more balance into my training um even though it does you know bring all these crazy imbalances to my actual body but I find that the overall balance is is really good so I find the three like the mobility training strength conditioning and the surfing all do work together um and it just keeps things interesting for me I think that's a really interesting point that you raise around how those three things are sort of interlinked in, in your life and your philosophy and, and how you approach it. I remember when I, when I was starting as a strength and conditioning coach, someone in, when, when I began, I don't know if it was like at the start of your journey, Michelle, but it was very much around strength. Strength was big. It was about Olympic lifting, getting strong. And I was always encouraged that, to think of myself as a movement coach and I coach strength as part of movement. And I think when you've got that complete perspective, as you see that in terms of, yes, mobility mm -hmm. is important and is the foundation of everything that we need to do. We also need to help people to get strong. And then for the, for the complete circle, there needs to be a manifestation of that. Some people can train just for the sake of training. They want to be in the gym, but for a lot of people that there's a piece there which is is that final kind of component that that for us we've probably found quite a lot of that in calisthenics about being outdoors training with your body weight um and, and i think completing that that entire cycle of going this is what i do with it and this is also then forming my philosophy my mindset and it centers me and it, it sort of reminds me of how this whole thing fits together as an outcome it is amazing i was just going to interested to, to ask you on your history of and experiences from of dance and obviously movement and mobility and ranges of movement and control in dance are, are huge and from my experience of looking at sports that are, are, are similar to that or activities that are similar to that you find quite structured ways of doing things how have your how's your experience of dance and what you were taught as a child as you were growing up sort of complemented or even conflicted with what you now understand around mobility and movement because my experience of that space is it changes and you can have people that have done it a long way a long time the same way um but we're now learning more about that do you see sort of comparisons is it is it the same thing or is it is it quite wildly different from what you did to what you now know and, and um, do with your clients 
Um, yeah, I think um, it's it's sort of coming full circle in a way. Um, I think, yeah, I think we, as coaches, we used to sort of think, yeah, mobility is this one tiny thing that you sort of fit at the start and at the end of a session. Um, and now we're sort of seeing it as quite a, um, a strong form of training. Like it, I can be, I can spend a whole hour spending, um, focusing on mobility with clients. So, um, it's working for me, working end ranges of motion, um, which is very hard work. So I think perhaps we used to think mobility was more just flexibility. And there was that period where everyone was like, what's the difference between mobility and flexibility? And now everyone or most people can understand that the mobility has quite a, um, a big aspect of strength and control. So you're able to sort of control, um, uh, you know, your body's joints through a range of motion rather than just being able to passively hold them there. So I think, um, and the dance, um, so like gymnasts and dancers have sort of done this for years, like the well, since forever, um, the, the full range strengthening. So um, they do a lot of, like as a dancer, we did a lot of passive stretching to sort of get that amount of um, flexibility, but then we did a lot of end range strengthening as well. So you're sort of starting as a kid with your leg quite low to the ground and then you, over time you're able to hold your leg quite high in the air, just that progressive um, inputs of strength. And, I, yes, a lot of the mobility training I'm doing now is really working um, at strengthening end ranges of motion. So it all does feel quite... Um, complementary and it all yeah it does make sense yeah, yeah I guess if you describe it there it's actually it's you're looking at it from a you use the word strength a number of times it's 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 strength, strength training it's just that the load is very small because you're putting yourself in this quite end range compromised position so you don't need yeah. heavy loads it's still strengthening yeah um, you, you, i think that's that's quite a nice really way to weak. look at it yeah <laughs> typically yeah, very weak yeah. at these like, positions yeah yeah, you could sell it to a client of like, you know, even if a lot of people, mobility and being more mobile is quite uh, topical at the moment and people like it. But even if someone just wanted to get strong, we could say, okay, we're going to we're gonna get strong and we're just going to do it in these positions and you're not going to need much load to do that. You might yeah. not need any load, just literally the length of your arm might be be enough for this. And I yeah. think one of the things that's, that is um, when people are strong through greater ranges of motion and have better postural control of all of their limbs and coordination between that, we feel better as a result of it, whether you're going to go and try and do a handstand in calisthenics or whether you're surfing or whether you, you're just literally, um, we're doing a tough mudder um, in 10 days' time. It will have, by the time this goes out, we'll have done it. Hopefully we survived. Um, but we, yeah, the, the, you're, you're going to then feel, feel better moving for it. And, and the, as you say, strength being a, a fundamental part of that. We're just talking about... Um, be having useful ranges that we're able to be strong in, which I think is a is a really nice way for people to try and grasp actually understanding what it is that you're trying to trying to do. Because when you're going through some of those um, some of those movements and some of those drills, the more um, I guess mindful, like you you didn't use the word mindfulness, but when you're talking about um, how you feel when you're uh, when you're surfing, that's the the word that sprang to mind for me that you're being 
super you talk about being in the zone or you you're really mindful about what you're doing and if you take that then into your into your training you're you're going to get and you understand what it is that you're doing um you as a as a person that's training you're going to get an awful lot more out of each rep and each set that you do of those of those exercises that you're doing We'd like to interrupt this broadcast today to bring you a customer service announcement and we want to tell you how excited we are about the virtual classroom where our online community of amazing people are working together to redefine their impossible and achieve things in calisthenics that they never thought they would be able to, Jacko. Yeah, if you've not thought about it yet, you should really consider uh, becoming a member of the virtual classroom. You become part of that supportive community and you then get access to absolutely every single training program we've got, every workout we do, every challenge, every webinar, and there is specific courses in there for everything from beginners to, to handstands and human flags and everything in between you get access to all of it you get to learn at your own pace online with us within the supportive community of people encouraging each other to redefine their impossible guys it's really something special we would love it if you come and check it out and until you do check it out and we see you in there let's get back to our regularly scheduled program yeah yeah and it becomes like a meditation too like it's yeah you're focusing on one single thing and it's a yeah it's a nice way to escape the world as well <laughs> one thing i was going to i wanted to ask you michelle was around um, you mentioned about asymmetry so it's really interesting a number of sports i've worked with in the past like things like hockey where you, you've got sort of a very um overloaded movement pattern we get quite a lot of questions from people about oh, I've, I've got an asymmetry they don't necessarily know what but they'll, they'll say oh, my right shoulder is weaker than my left or i have problems with, with with whatever it might be rotation how do you as a strength and conditioning coach work with people who've got an asymmetry have you got any sort of tactics and techniques that you you do how you structure training programs to start to imbalance that and um, and why is that so important um so typically like if they have a um so their right arm is a lot stronger than their left um, and they're doing like a um, and they're doing unilateral training so they might be doing a, a pulling or a pushing exercise on a cable machine I find them really useful or, or like a single um, press or overhead press with a dumbbell um, starting with the weaker side and going to what is that um, uh, fatigue of technique for that side and then matching it with the stronger side so that's sort of one way that you can sort of aim to fix some of those imbalances if it's more of a rotation imbalance if there's several um rotary or anti-rotary movements you can do um one might be like a wood chop sort of action with a cable machine and again starting with the weaker side and then matching that with the strong stronger side and just sort of keeping it that way. I find that is, is helpful. Some people like to double up on the weaker side as well, but yeah, it's just, it's up to preference. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I've used both of those techniques in the past of going, um, let's, let's say the left side is weaker than the right. Let the left do as much as it can do. And the right side only gets to do the same amount. Cause if you allow the right side to go to capacity, then you're only yeah. ever just com- compounding that, that imbalance. And I've done the same thing, particularly around some hip stability work of going, well, we can do left, right, left. So you left, you left is getting a second dose. Um, but again, I think it's that the, the point that you make, which I think is really useful for people is the value of a, of a unilateral movement. So training the single arm. So if you're doing pull-ups and you've got a left side scapular instability or shoulder isn't firing or, or working as well, continuing to do 
bilateral movements where you're using both arms, even if that's rows, you're often going to find that the, the, the weaker arm is going to just let this, the more dominant one just take over. So it's really difficult to iron out the asymmetry. So you've almost got to opt for something which exposes it and makes it sort of saddle up and do a little bit more of its, uh, what it's supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we find as well that um, often, I guess you've the same thing that if, particularly around the shoulders for, for the surface, that any sort of asymmetry is a bit of a red flag from an injury perspective as well. If we've got any, any kind of imbalance, if, we, if the human movement system is a little bit out of kilter, um, we know that we're going to continue to overload asymmetrical patterns because we're going to get one side dominance. Uh, and I guess that's probably quite relevant for surfers. What kind of injuries do you find that the guys will experience? What's quite common um, with, with surfers and what are the particular challenges of working with that population? Um, so typical issues are, um, imbalances within the, the shoulder. So, um, I mean, most people do have a forward, um, position shoulder just from the way that we live these days. So the, um, the front part or the anterior part of the shoulder capsule is, is looser. The back part is tighter. So that arm bone does stick forward more. Um, that can lead to issues with shoulder internal rotation and surfers do need to um, always go into internal rotation when they paddle, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they get more mobile there. So they often get tired there. Um, and the, the, the range of movement that the paddling, because I guess over 90% of the time spent surfing is paddling, um, yeah. the amount of time you spent with like purely overhead shoulder motion is is actually pretty low like it's it's sort of just this range in front of in front of the head it's not always overhead um and yeah so overhead shoulder mobility tends to be lacking and also external rotation um so that they're the ones with the shoulder and then with the hips internal rotation it can be up to the individual i've seen a mix like some they they lack the external some lack the internal um I tend to find a little bit more lacking internal. So that can then cause issues with the back knee because when, you, when you're surfing, that back knee does drop in a little bit. So if you don't have enough yeah. hip internal rotation, that knee is just going to take more of that load. Um, and then, yeah, spinal issues do happen a little bit too just from constantly being rotated. But these are the guys that are, you know, surfing three hours every day, every day of their lives. <laughs> but, um, yeah, they're, they're the main ones I do see. Yeah, with um, with everything that we do in terms of calisthenics, it's all uh, very much body weight um, based. Other than sort of adding some additional load if we're doing uh, max strength training for pull ups and and dips of just getting strong in some basics. Um, with surfing, you've got obviously they're they're having to manage. Uh, when they're paddling, they're managing just the, the the water, which is, again, low loads. And then when they're actually surfing, they're managing just being able to control their own body. How much of your, uh, what does your, what is the sort of uh, exercise and the programs of sort of prescription you give? Look, is it, is it a lot of body weight control work? Um, just just interesting, a bit of a flavor of what they're, what they're doing. So I can imagine like surfers uh, might be a misconception. Because I don't know any that they, potentially don't want to go in the gym and do, do bench press paddling. and deadlift. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Does that make sense? So what does it, what does a program? And they want to be doing the traditional lifts. You mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, yeah. They do or they don't. And what, what does, what does it look like when they, when they're working with yourself? Yeah. Um, I, I don't tend to really 
uh, teach the, the bench press much, but deadlifts, especially sumo deadlifts, I, I do a lot of. Um, squatting, I do, but I tend to probably do a little bit more single leg squatting than, than uh, bilateral, just because you get some hip shifts going on and sometimes it's, it's easier just to do the single leg. Um, yeah, a lot of, lot of unilateral leg work. Um, they, they all love the sumo deadlifts. They just feel so athletic and, you know, you're getting the, the glutes and hamstrings working all the time. Um, so, yeah, I do do some of the traditional lifts, but just not the bench press. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and, yeah, a lot of, a lot of free weight stuff, so a lot of cable work. Um, again, that's going to be unilateral stuff and some body weight work too. Um, I, yeah, I don't really touch the Olympic lifts. When I first started teaching, I thought that was, um, more something, uh, that I was supposed to do as an SNC coach, but, um, found that it was very rare to find a client that could do that well or should be doing it. Um, it was just a little bit too risky and too complex. Um, and then, yeah, and, and, a, and a lot of mobility work. So sometimes even half the session can be that mobility work, but it's going to be quite tough end range strength work. So it doesn't really feel like yeah. mobility work. It feels like like strengthening. Yeah. Yeah, they feel yeah they feel like they're working. Yeah, they're working hard. And I guess as you said about the the, the amount of time they spend paddling, some of the work has got to be on. Uh, taking care of those of the shoulder and and trying to minimize um or, or trying to offset all of that sort of paddling into a rotation that the shoulder's going through and and trying to offset some of that through the work that you do in the gym and i guess the better that they the better they move and they can control their body whether they're actually paddling or whether they're standing up on the board they're going to have a a more successful time out on the water, which is what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. Like some people, there are some um, people out there that think, oh, well, maybe in the gym we just have to go on the paddling machine or we should be standing up um, and then balancing on boards and things like that. They can be good, but I think if you're around the water enough um, in the gym, you want to be doing things that are going to bring more balance and teach you how to generate force and accept loads and, improve your mobility and just access all those areas of your body that you have been neglecting in the water. Like surfing itself is going to be the best thing for getting better at surfing rather than trying to mimic it in the gym. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely, we've done a lot of work with swimmers over the years and there's, there's a few similarities, but you, you can definitely overcomplicate a training approach by trying to make it too specific, especially when you go and, well, let's look at the breaststroke technique and try and replicate that on a cable. It's just, it messes up with the technique. So it's yeah. like, say, understanding the key points that you need to work on that are then going to have maximum transfer when the guys actually get out um, onto the water. Are you, and uh, what sort of level athletes do you, are you working with? Are these guys that are, are recreational surfers? Because I, I remember when I was, you, you, we've, I used to live on the North Shore of, in Sydney and um as soon as the sun comes up there's people in the water until it gets dark yeah um, it's a beautiful thing to see at 5 30 in the morning with just a row of surfers just sat out out the back um but it's a huge thing it's a it's, a, it's such a popular pastime and the barriers to entry are so small are you working with people that are going out and trying to win competitions or do you get a lot of recreational surfers that then go off to work and and, and doing that sort of normal day-to-day life as well yeah, a mix. So some are, um, yeah, some are, some are at the pro level, some are at the 
um, the QS level. So working at getting into the pro level. And then I've got more, the, the main bulk of the clients are the recreational ones and some are just starting and they're just really passionate about that. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I do have non-surfer clients as well. Um, mm. And yeah, but they, I do tend to attract the fabulous surfers. What's the um, what's the mindset in, in surfing around this kind of, of worker strength and conditioning? Because like I've snowboarded for for a large portion of my life, and and when snowboarding sort of came into the Olympics, it was almost like trying to professionalize a sport which was not about winning medals and competitions. I know surfing has always had a competitive scene, but there's so many people that surf for the love of surfing. They actually don't want to be in the gym. Has there been a shift change in people's mindset about understanding that some of the training and the methodologies of working with someone like yourself actually have a really positive impact on their, on their, their enjoyment and success in surfing? Or is, is there still this sort of, is there a, a bit of a, um, conflict is the wrong word but just a some some portions of the of the, of the surfing community that are just not massively open to working with a strength and conditioning coach yeah um definitely <laughs> um i think it's it's changed a lot and i think the um a lot of the younger guys coming through that are, are quite serious about making it they're told that it's a very important thing to do and some of them aren't even keen to come in, but some of them are really, really, really dedicated and keen. And then you've got some of the older guys that um, the recreational, uh, some are, uh, you know, a bit more old fashioned and, and think they don't need anything. But I think it's the ones that have experienced um, chronic injuries or they're currently in pain. They're the ones that are, yeah. are my favorite clients. Like they come in <laughs> and uh, they are like they work so hard and they really want to understand all the mobility stuff because their body's just stiffening up um, week by week. Um, and they are, yeah, they're the most fun, I think. <laughs> cool. Um, and the other thing I was just wanted to, to talk a little bit around was um, your, where does calisthenics or bodyweight training fit in in terms of, do you do much around sort of handstands and more specific stuff or are you generally sort of sticking more towards movement flows i've seen you do quite a bit of crawling work do you do you sort of take it to a more sort of advanced level where it becomes a little bit more um like what we see with with let's say argue argument sake like a muscle up does do you see that there's a there's benefits of those kind of movement patterns in surfing yeah yeah i think i think definitely um i don't take it um too much in that direction um because i don't think i'm uh too advanced with it <laughs> um but i think uh, like with the muscle ups, I think if you're if you're really competent and you're strong and mobile and and there's no chance of um, well not that there's no chance of injuring yourself, but you know if you're really competent, I think that's absolutely awesome. I think for a lot of people, it's probably quite a um, intense thing to be doing, and perhaps they don't need that sort of movement mm -hmm. in their in their program. Um, but you know if if you're doing it and it's and you're good at it, then awesome. Um, with the handstands, uh, I just have a lot of fun with them myself, but, um, yeah, yeah I, I do find, uh, like I did have a, I, I did have a wrist injury probably, uh, maybe nine years ago. And it's, it's an area that I have to look after a little bit. And I, I find uh, a lot of crawling and, and the handstand stuff. Like I love, I love doing it, but I do have to be aware that that is a fairly, um, fairly fragile sort of joint. So 
um, when people come in, I first want to assess can they fully um, uh, extend their wrists and do they have that sort of control before getting them, you know, inverting their bodies. So, um, and often I have to uh, adapt some movements just so that they, they aren't always um, on their hands as well. So I, I do think it's really important. I think it's you want to get that mobility there if they don't have it and, and, and aim to have that sort of movement in their training. But I probably don't um, spend as much time there as I used to. Yeah. yeah, I think you make a really key point there. We, we often find some people at the start of their hand balancing journey, they'll they'll struggle with wrist stability. My, my wife's broken both wrists snowboarding. Yeah. Um, so she's sort of progressing a little bit more into that and doing really well with it. But it's it's coming from taking small doses. So I think that they're just offering a takeaway for anyone who's listening around that of going, yes, we, we, we can look at like balance positions where we're, we've got our whole body weight pretty much resting on our hands, whether that's frogs or crow stands or whatever, or, or kickups against the wall. But a really useful way of starting to condition yourself is around those crawling patterns. It's great for the wrist to starting to take lower loads. You've got great shoulder stability. You can integrate the trunk into that as well. And I think that's it's something that people can use more of. And you've got to get past the, the feeling of looking a bit weird when you're crawling <laughs> around in the gym because not everyone wants to do that. But it is a really beneficial oh, tool. It's, it's great. Like we started with that, right? So we started with moving around on yeah. the ground and then we crawled and then, yeah. So it's a, it's a great way to bring more movement to your body yeah so, there was um i think i don't know if it was ian Hawes. i had a conversation recently with a i'm sure it was a physio that was saying that the um if you if a if a baby skips uh, and moves quite quickly to 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 walking and misses out that crawling phase that they they miss developing some of the intricate sort of stability and control of the scapula and um we've certainly found as we we started trying to learn how to do a handstand when we we're 35 36 years old or whatever and so late in adult life having not done gymnastics or anything like that before and um it's a bit of a whirlwind um to get there but um we have seen huge improvements in and, and other people that are, you know are sort of students as we call them reporting um improvements in shoulder stability um how, how how strong they feel they're applying it into other movements and lifts that they do but just some of that and we're trying to do a little bit more and get some actual quality research done hopefully we've got a, a project kicking off soon uh, with the university over here in the uk um to get some valuable sort of uh, quantifiable data to actually sort of back up what we're what we're seeing is has has that type of um, work in your own training and with some of your clients do you if you had i know you said that obviously the wrist issue that comes from an, an old injury but in terms of like how your shoulders feel from doing it and, and what the feedback you get from the clients do you get a similar have you have you come across a similar similar thing yeah yeah definitely um I, I think people also really enjoy moving again like that like i think um now it's it's more popular to do that so people don't yeah. look at it so strangely but um yeah i remember when i started doing that you get this hesitation in some clients to uh start crawling around but they yeah they feel great and it's um it's one of those movements that uh, I used to you know if someone comes in and like I just can't activate my core and, and they it, it's a really good position to get them to um feel their deep abdominal muscles working because you've got you've got sort of the the weight of the abdominal contents hanging down with gravity and um, drawing yeah. your belly button up was one of those rehab exercises and learning to hold that and, and then breathing with moving the belly button in and out. Um, yeah, it's, it's all, it's all really 
great tools you can you can use and it's a very natural feeling as well so it's, yeah it's good Amazing. So we've just got a couple of last questions, Michelle. One from me and the Jackal has got one just to, to finish us off. You've got a lot of experience. You've, you've worked with a range of different people. You've got experience in, in different forms of movement and strength training. If you were to sort of give three key tips for improving human performance, and that doesn't need to be sort of like elite level. It's just what do people need to know from your wealth of experience of seeing so much variety in your, in your training and, and, and the, the people that you've worked with? What, what, if you're going to sort of hang your hat on, these are the three things that people should sort of prioritize where'd you go with that i know that's a difficult question but um have you got any sort of things that really quite sort of stand out that you'd want people to know yeah um have fun with exercise like find something that you really enjoy doing so it doesn't feel like a chore it's just something that you want to put into your you know including your daily life um Work on your mobility because even if it's good now, it's probably going to get crappy as you get older. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, just look after your body. Like eat well, get enough sleep, watch whether your thoughts are running wild and are negative and, yeah, just, just look after yourself. Yeah, the thing that's like beautiful the- about that for me is that we, we spend a lot of time and, I, and we're the same. You work in, in human performance in the elite end. And, and if you said to me, if you asked me the same question, that's what I'm going to say. Like yeah. it comes down to the real basics and we, we love to make things complex and, and sort of look for the 1%. And actually it's all about the 80%. Enjoy yourself, move well and give your body what it needs to do those things. Like yeah. it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not that complicated. It's a really great answer. Thank you. Yeah, no, you actually mentioned something just to pick up on the holistic aspect that you just mentioned that you like, you mentioned that at the start and that it's probably something that when we dial into talking about, um, some of the movement and the strength addition and everything that we did there, we, we then, thinking we're thinking about only one little piece of a puzzle that actually yeah. when you think it when we're thinking about our body the same way that not just talking about individual muscles we want to talk about like the whole kinetic chain well then it's like everything that inputs into that is as much as your nutrition as your thoughts and i think it's probably a whole different another podcast to go into like the the depth of all that but i just think that that's a really good it's a really nice point for people to finish on takeaway message that actually we need to be when we talk about looking after our body what what i'm getting from from you there is you, you we're talking about everything we're not talking about just physically doing the right exercises you know we get a lot of people say you know what's the what's the what's the one program i need to follow and it's yeah. There isn't really those magic uh, bullets that we can that we can take, and so taking a, a holistic, rounded approach to how we look after and nourish ourselves is is super important. So thank you for that. Um, our last question that we like to ask our guests um, are uh, are. Uh, I always want to say catchphrase, but I don't. What strap do I, line. Strap line. Our strap Our line. Mantra, our slogan, philosophy. Philosophy. Whatever. We, we, we talk about redefining your impossible because for us when, and everyone has felt it, that when you try and do something for the first time that you've never attempted, like a handstand when you're 35 years old, it feels impossible when you first try. And, and when you when you manage to physically do that new thing, it's there's a there's a feeling that's quite difficult to describe and it changes your mindset around what else you think you could do that's currently feels impossible. And it might be a physical thing or it might be outside. It could be business, life, relationships, whatever. Um, so we'd like to ask our, um, our guests as the final question, what do you have an impossible at the moment? Something that feels a little bit outside of your comfort zone that you would really like to do in one day, maybe and you're sort of on that journey to try and figure out, do, you, do I think I can, can do it and it, it might be in training but it might be outside it might be 
business, you know, you've, you've written a couple of books. Um, it could be anything. Mm. Is there anything that springs to mind? Mm. Um, <clears throat> oh, well, speaking of handstands, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably like to just be able to get up and be like completely straight and just hold that without moving at all for 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. so, so what I so do, what, where what are I've you at done now? for a long time, yeah. and I don't, I don't prioritise handstands enough probably for, for my, what I want to do, but I, I come up and I split the leg and I just teeter-totter for, and I can do that for a while, but in terms of just getting up and holding and being completely still, that's one of my goals. Cool. Very good. Yeah. Which I'm sure you guys can do. <laughs> On a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not easy. Like when you start to get into those positions where you're really looking at a very still posture and, and perfect alignment, like you have days when you feel that you can get those and other days when just your system's a bit shot from training. And especially for you, if you're surfing most days and you're then going to go and do some handstands in the evening, like your shoulders have had a decent workout. I mean, yeah. I surfed a, a, occasionally in a little bit when I was in, in Australia and it, like it's, it's punishing. It's like you said, the onslaught that you get of, of not just the paddling, but going out and, and trying to get out of the back of the waves over and over and over again. And then getting absolutely hammered when you fall off yeah, like it's it, it's and, it's yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah it's pretty stressful um but like you say being in the ocean and um yeah it, it, it completes that but i think yeah give yourself some some credit on that and that, the last tip that we were given that is that the wall is just so so useful for that of going back to the wall and just people want to rush away from the wall because they can handstand in free space but using the wall like you did when you first learned probably has so much value in terms of being able to correct alignment because you you, you just got to go sometimes back to what you think is an easier progression but actually you're doing it at a more advanced level than you were the first time around yeah. um so, and then we'll look forward to seeing a handstand on the surfboard. Then that's the, yes. uh, that's the next goal. Yeah. <laughs> I almost saw that today, actually. <laughs> Someone did a headstand yes. instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen those on longboards before. It's pretty cool when people yeah. do that. I'm like, yeah. show it off now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing. No, oh, thank you. So if people want to find out more about you, Michelle, what, where should they go? Where can they see what you're up to and, and find out more about all the amazing work you're doing? Uh, my Instagram is Sydney Strength Conditioning um, and Facebook is Sydney Strength and Conditioning. Um, and they're, yeah, that's probably the two places to go. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show show notes for those. Um, so uh, thank you for being on uh, on the podcast and thank you everyone that's uh, listened. If you have enjoyed this podcast episode, um, we and Michelle would love it if you'd leave a little uh, positive review for us um, on iTunes um, just to, just to, and give us some feedback on what you thought about it. You can hit us up on, um, on some direct messages or either a message to us or I'm sure Michelle would love uh, some of you to get in contact with her if you've got any questions um to ask specifically then you can find her on uh, on instagram as she said and we'll put the link in the show notes for that so michelle thank you for being on this week's podcast there's nothing else for us to say other than until next week class dismissed <laughs>